Hello and welcome back. It's so nice to be back here. I hope you've had a good week. Um, I had a very nice week here in Balfour. We've had the school holidays and uh, we just had a bit of a break. We've spent a lot of time outside. The temperature has changed from minus nine this time last week to 17 degrees today. So uh, 30 degrees difference almost. And uh, so, yeah, spring has arrived, officially arrived. And it's my birthday this week. So I think it's arrived just in time. So uh, I hope that you have also had a good half term. I know many of you have had this week off or your children have had this week off from school. So hopefully that has that has helped the, the homeschooling in the situation in the UK a little bit for this week. OK, today we're going to dive straight in with uh, the first of a series of Sunday night podcasts all about global leadership. So there are going to be three and uh, tonight's is... Um, is is in some ways a simple one because we're going to be talking about languages and working across different languages. Um, It is a simple one in many ways, but I think it's also a very important one that often gets forgotten in the uh, in in the in the literature about global leadership. So today I'm I'm talking really very much based on my own experience, and uh, and I'm deliberately keeping it simple. We're not going to talk about the differences in culture and even. And the different the power struggles that can sometimes go along with that as well. I'm keeping it very simple based on the uh, the experiences I've had of living and working in lots of different places of being sometimes the uh, sometimes the only person in the room speaking a, a another language and sometimes uh, sometimes the opposite. So uh, lots of different scenarios which I'll go into in just a little little while. So just to kick off, I just want to tell you a little story which is is quite funny really because when we came to France, so we. We've been here for nearly 10 years now. And when we first came, I was desperate to join a choir. Those of you who know me know that I love music. And uh, I was so pleased to join a choir. And I went along and the and the rehearsals were great. I didn't understand a lot. It was obviously all in French. My French at that point was pretty basic. Um, but I understood enough to to really enjoy it. Um, but and, and as my French got better, I kept hearing this phrase. And the, the conductor kept saying, oh, c'est, c'est pas mal. So that means it's not bad when we translate it literally. And uh, and after a while, I, I used to think, well, this is this is quite strange. I think we're doing quite well. It's sounding quite good to me. And it's not bad sounded a bit negative to my Anglo-Saxon ears. And after a while, I felt myself becoming slightly irritated by this and thinking, well, you know, it's only a it's an amateur choir. Come on, let's be a little bit more positive. And so, in fact, what I did was I asked uh, a very good friend and colleague of mine, and uh, who's an English teacher, and I asked I asked her what uh, what was this about, and she said what's what about and I said well he keeps saying that it's not good he keeps saying well it's not bad well that's not good is it and she said ah oh, but you know the way we use that it means it's quite good it means it's good it's actually positive and so that completely reframed it for me and I realized that how important that it's not just the translation but we need to understand a language so well to really understand what's going on and to also not misinterpret so that was one of many examples that I could give you of times where I have thought I've understood and in fact I haven't. So I think it's uh, it, it's also um, interesting because it changed something for me. It meant that 
I then had the uh, the confidence to go and speak to the, the 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 director of the choir and talk to him about this, and and we laughed about it, and all of a sudden that created a connection, a real connection. We laughed about the fact that uh, that the translation something really was lost in translation, and over that divide, we developed a great friendship, and now I'd say he's one, he's one of our closest uh, friends here in in Belfort. So it's it's amazing how those uh, those conversations even about the difference in interpretation can lead to a connection. And today that's what I'm really talking about. It's about connection. So when we're working across different languages, it's always going to be how can we make a connection even though perhaps something is a little bit lost in translation. So for those of you who don't know me or have joined the group recently, first of all, welcome. And I'm Anne Collins and I'm a leadership coach and I work across languages. In fact, I work in English and in French and uh, and I help leaders really to accelerate their leadership careers. And, uh, and part of that is very much based on how can we build connections with our teams, with our colleagues. And I know that many of you in this group are in fact in that situation where you're working for global organizations or you're in teams that really do work across uh, different languages. So I'm hoping that this evening it will resonate with you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll find something useful. And if there is something that uh, that you'd like to comment on, please do put it in the comments and let me know if you have any questions as well and I will do my best to answer them. So do put that in the comments below. So just a little bit more background about me for those of you who don't know me. So actually for 15 years um, I've been working across different languages. So by 15 years I mean 15 years since I left university. Um, it's not, it's more than that. But 15 of those years I've, I've worked across languages and mostly, mostly in leadership positions of some kind, sometimes as a teacher and mostly in other countries other than the UK. A little bit in the UK when I worked in a school in Luton where um, 96% of the children um, spoke English as a second language and many of the staff, um, the support staff as well. So that was that was also, that was a different uh, a different experience as well. And now I, I live in France, I work in French and English and, uh, and my life is generally um, between those two languages at the moment. A little bit in German as well because we're just on the German border, although we haven't been there for a while but uh, let's hope that we can get back there and uh, and get across into the black forest again which is always beautiful. So there are many combinations when we're thinking about working across different languages. So you might find that you're the only certain speaker of a language in a room so you might be the only English speaker uh, in in the room um, or you might you might all be speaking a second language. Now that's it that's very interesting when um, quite often when I'm here I can I meet people from other countries whose first language is not is not French and we're speaking in French so we're both speaking in our second languages so that can be also very interesting and or it might be that most people are speaking um, a second language and you are the only person who's speaking uh, your native language so of course there are all sorts of possibilities all sorts of combinations and today I'm going to be very general uh, in in what I propose to you to, that might be a 
an interesting way to think about it. But of course, it all depends on your situations. Um, tonight, I'm not going to be looking at the dynamics that are often involved, the, the power relations even. It can, it can quite often be that one language has a higher status in that relationship, depending on the company. If you're working, say, for uh, an American company where the, uh, English is the language that is going to be used, but you're working in an office, for example, here in Balfour, we've got um, an office in, in Balfour, work, but that everybody is working for an American company. So um, depending on the meeting, um, English or French will have a different status within that room. And it might not be what you expect. It might not be that it's English that's the more powerful language, in adverted commas, at that time. It may well be that it's French that has the, has the upper hand just because of the way that it's being used in the room. So it's very subtle. And uh, it's, it's about, of course, like many of these things, it's about being aware of what's going on. And especially as a leader, what your, what's your role in all this? How are you going to try to make sure that people can connect? And let's remember that is the, that's the name of the game. So, first of all, what is the biggest problem? Well, as you, as many of you know, I'm also an English teacher here in Belfort, and I work with a lot of adults who are in exactly this position. They're often working in English, they're French or Spanish, or they're speaking other languages. But in, but here they're working either either in French or they're working in English, but they're working uh, in a in a different language. And what do they say is the biggest problem? Well, they always say the same thing: it's the native speakers. The native speakers are the problem. And I think whenever any of us are the native speaker, whether that's French, English, Spanish, whatever, we need to be very aware of this. And what are the problems? Well, I can just tell you what my students say. The number one problem is that people speak too fast always always what they say it's the speed and and in fact when we're when we're learning English uh, together often one of the first things we do when we're using videos on YouTube for example is we just reduce the speed just by a fraction and it makes all the difference and I would say if you want to help your team if you're the native speaker in the room that is the number one thing you can do to help the others in your in your team to understand better the second, the second point that comes up a little less frequently um, is the use of slang. And of course, with that goes in-house jokes, um, jokes that are a play on words. Of course, they are going to be difficult for, for many people, not everybody, but for many people speaking that language as a second language. When, when the native speaker doesn't use correct English, this can also cause problems. When, when we don't use full sentences, which is often the case, we start, we start a sentence, we stop, we restart, we go round in circles. And when we speak, it's, it's often that we don't necessarily speak in full sentences. But this is hard for people who are listening and where, where that language is not their native language. So maybe making an effort to speak in clear, proper sentences with proper grammar, we might say. Using filler phrases. Now, what do I mean by that? It's things like, you know what I mean? Or, oh, you'll never guess what. 
Those little phrases, which are, there are, they're simple to the native speaker, but to someone speaking that language as a second language, they, they can stop the whole flow of the understanding. So that's, uh, that's something that's interesting to maybe think about. So for what about for people who are not speaking the the language or, or who are non-native speakers in that situation? Well, first of all, it's very stressful often for them, especially if they don't feel very proficient in that language. And even if they do feel proficient, or even if they are proficient, it can be quite a stressful situation. I've had many students here whose English is very good, even exceptional, and they they still find it uncomfortable at times to be in meetings where they are the only person who is not a native speaker. It can be really quite difficult. Of course, there is a risk of un- misunderstandings. Um, an interesting one here is actually with grammar. So, for example, uh, an, an example I often use is in English, we often use the present continuous when we're talking about plans. I am going to school tomorrow or I am seeing um, Marie on Thursday. Now, that can be very, very confusing because sometimes when we're learning English, we we don't always know that. And so we think that it's something that we're doing right now. So I am meeting Marie on Thursday. If we're not quite sure about that, uh, does it mean I'm meeting Marie right now? Does it mean on Thursday? It can lead to misunderstanding. So we just need to be aware that there can be very, very difficult uh, misunderstandings to uh, to find when we think we're speaking quite simply, but it can be quite difficult. There are lots of other examples like that. I'm not going to give you a grammar lesson, but just to be aware of it. So some very practical tips for you. So for native speakers, as we've already said, slow down. Um, as well as slowing down, I would say try to articulate as much as you can. Speaking clearly with great clarity at all times is, of course, going to be of great help. Sending out meeting notes, that obviously helps. Sending out good minutes afterwards, of course, that helps everybody. And you will find actually that many of these tips, it's a bit like for teachers working with children, many of the many of the strategies that we put in place to help students who need a bit of support, in fact, they help everybody. So making things clear, sending out notes that are clear and helpful and uh, that are that are easy to access are going to help everybody. Now, there are also other ways of getting people's views. Now, when you invite people to give their views, sometimes that can be very quite intimidating for people who are the non-native speakers in the group. So there are other ways of doing it. Online, for example, using the chat is, is a really good way to do that. It gives people time to think, time to formulate. They can, um, they can change things. It's, a, it's another way of making sure that people can contribute if they're not uh, if they're not ready or they don't want to actually um, speak using email obviously is a good way people again it's the same advantage they've got time to think so giving other ways for people to contribute um, so that they have time to formulate their ideas and sometimes to put it on paper is easier using voice messages of course that's another way So for non-native speakers, what can you do to make this easier? So I would say I would ask for the agenda for meetings in advance. 
Clarify what's required of you. If you're required to make a presentation, be clear what you're expected to do so that you are not put on the spot. You know exactly what is required and you have time to prepare. Um, I would suggest, as an English teacher, I probably shouldn't suggest this, but there is a fantastic translation tool called deepl.com. And I will put that in the comments. It uses artificial intelligence and the translation, the quality of translation is very, very good. I know that it works for Spanish, um, Spanish, English, French, German, other languages I haven't used it for, but it's, uh, it's, it's developing all the time and it's an excellent excellent resource. You can even you can even put whole articles in there and it will translate it for you just like that. Now the quality of course is not 100%, but for many business related texts I'm finding that it's very good and I use it a lot. As I say it's not perfect. You still need to check it and maybe get a native speaker to check it if you're translating into another language and you want uh, you want it to be uh, to be perfect. I would ask someone just to read over it if you're not sure but deepl.com is your friend then I would say the third thing is to very much cultivate a mindset where you build your own confidence and by exercising that muscle and exercising that muscle of confidence by just doing it and think well what's the worst that could happen okay I could stumble over my words is it going to be a disaster? In the vast majority of cases, it's not going to be a disaster. And by doing it more and more, of course, you get better. So it's, it's going back to what we've talked about many times before about having that growth mindset and really being, uh, being ready to learn from your mistakes, prepare in advance, use what you've done, use the experience and practice. The best way is to practice. Start small, build up, but practice and just do it. And remember also that people are generally, genuinely in awe of other people who are speaking another language. And they are going to be impressed that you are making the effort. They are going to be impressed that you are able to do so well. So the odd little mistake is is not going to detract from that. In fact, I would say that they won't even notice. So, so develop that mindset and remember that people just want to understand they want to understand you they want to be able to connect with you that is the key so leaders what can you do so whether you are the native speaker whether you are the non-native speaker or you have a team with a mix of people what can you do obviously what we've talked about just here and um, there's a lot that you can do in organizing the meeting really well so getting that agenda out making sure the expectations are clear if you're going to ask people to contribute who are not confident in that language make sure they have the time to prepare and if you're expecting documents to be in in a in a, you know top quality english french spanish whatever it is make sure that you give the support Support that is required and most importantly give the time remember that it takes a huge amount of time for people to prepare documents or to prepare presentations um, in another language even if they're even if they're very good in that language it's not the same so give them the time and make
make sure that uh, that uh, they they realize that you you appreciate that and i think that's so important showing appreciation will build their confidence showing appreciation of the fact that they are putting themselves out there stepping outside of their comfort zone you will help them to develop that mindset that they really need And I think generally within the meeting, if you can show appreciation of people who are contributing in their non-native language, of course, you're going to help to develop that culture of of really people being appreciated and valued and also people making an effort to understand, to have that that, uh, diplomacy in place where people can ask questions, um, but without criticizing. So can be diplomatic in asking for clarification without without criticizing someone's level in their language so it's all about boosting confidence and valuing that connection at the end um, I would say another another area that leaders can be very helpful uh, is jokes so when we're thinking about joking uh, of course it's great to have a bit of humor in meetings and and it's important but it's also important that people understand it so I mean obviously when jokes are translated doesn't always have the same effect but I think just by being aware of that and being aware that um, that we share so much uh, in in language and and how we use our language that a lot of a lot of that can be missed by people even when they are very proficient in another language. And finally, I would say to leaders, make an effort to learn a few words of the language that is spoken by members of your team. And just even just a little bit of effort to learn a few few words will also help you to build that connection with them. Show an interest, connect over that divide. And as as I'm going to come back to that, this is is actually where the opportunity lies. Because although we might think, oh, that's that's a difficult, thing to manage but think of the opportunities we are opening the door to having a connection across language barriers and potentially across cultures across the world so building that connection it's so worth it because when we do that we're opening our minds to something else we are giving our team the chance to be so much more creative to be more innovative to think about the world in a different place and in a, in a different way and I would say that when we, just going back to the point about using, using a few words of someone else's language, what does that do? And I, I can tell you from very personal experience that something happens. So for me in France, if I'm in a situation and now it happens less, but when we first arrived, there were many times when I didn't understand what was going on. And and it's, it means such a lot when someone notices, first of all, that you're kind of laughing along and you're smiling, but you have absolutely no idea um, what's going on. When someone notices and when someone makes that little bit of effort, either to explain in, in, the, language, in the language that's been used, but it's simply, or to use English in my case, to, to help me to understand and to be back, to be brought back into the group. 
And and I've seen it the other way as well. And you can see you can see it in someone's eyes, actually, because you can see that connection that when you try to connect with somebody and you try to speak a few words. I remember we went we went on holiday to Italy a few years ago and we learned really the bare minimum, you know, how to how to order a very strong coffee. And but that connection is just amazing when you make that effort to use a few words in someone else's language. And just to give you another little story, uh, um, uh, just years ago, actually. So after I came back from Nepal and uh, in Nepal, I learned Nepali and I used my Nepali um, quite a lot at work. I also used a lot of English because I was working in the capital, Kathmandu, but I used a lot of Nepali as well. And when I came back from Nepal, I was on a train outside London and I was just sitting there and uh, next to me, there was a group of Gurkha soldiers. There are bases of Gurkha soldiers just not that far from London and they were discussing um, they were discussing a coin so they were looking at the coin and they were discussing or they, in fact they were debating whether the the person on the coin was in fact Queen Elizabeth so this conversation went on for, uh, for a while and suddenly I, I decided I would uh, I would interrupt and and say well yes it, it, it is the Queen and when I when I spoke Nepali to them, all of them just turned round and their faces they were first of all totally shocked to hear someone speak Nepali on a on a train just outside London, especially an English woman suddenly speaking Nepali to them was quite amazing. And then we had this amazing amazing discussion about their lives, about their families back home, uh, some of the, some of the the trips that I'd done in the in the mountains were were fairly close to where some of them were from and so we we had the most amazing oh it was a 15 minute conversation but that connection was really amazing so little moments like that for me it makes it all worthwhile the effort put into learning languages and as a leader just think if you can just do that just a little bit for for people in your team or for your colleagues or for your clients even think what you can do um, I think that this is very important when we go back to this idea that marketers use a lot. You know, they talk about know, like and trust. And I think when we speak someone's language, we start to really make inroads into that. We start to know somebody. We start to understand them. They can understand us and get to know us. And we start that process of know, like and trust. And and I think my my final message to you is don't be don't be scared to learn a few words you don't need very much. And for those non-native speakers, whether you're speaking whatever language you're speaking and you are the only person speaking English in the room or Spanish in the room or French in the room, whatever it is, then remember that people people also they just want to connect. It's the connection that counts. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there for this evening. Just a, a few words about what's coming up this week. So our Zoom this week, so the Tuesday Zoom, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, you can join that by clicking on the link in the show notes. Um, if you're in the Facebook group, uh, there will be an invitation going out to you. So don't forget, uh, Tuesday evening, it's, uh, I always get the time wrong, it's nine o'clock if you're in France or in Europe, and it is eight o'clock if you are in 
the UK. So it's all about empathy this week. Empathy as opposed to sympathy, which I think will be an interesting one. So we're looking at emotional intelligence this week. So do come along if you would like to discuss that. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to be continuing my global leadership um, solo podcasts for you. And we're going to be talking about leading global teams and how that could look. And the final one will be a couple of weeks after that. And it's all it's all going to be about the future of global leadership. Now, I've deliberately chosen topics that are not generally discussed uh, in the literature, particularly uh, this one about languages. So if there's anything else that you would like uh, that, again, you haven't seen to been talked about, do send me a message, put a comment uh, down below. I would love to hear it. I just would so interested to hear um, what experiences you've had of leading global teams and if there's anything that you would like me to to discuss um, further. So it's been great to see you this evening. Um, I'm about to go and finish my my delicious cup of tea and uh, I wish you all a very good evening and a great week. Uh, Enjoy the sunshine if you are uh, if you are lucky enough to have the springtime that has arrived like we have and I hope to see some of you on Tuesday evening. Goodbye.